Hey guys, welcome back to the 429 podcast. I'm two. I'm nine. And I'm four. Uh, nine didn't miss his cue this time. Nice. All right, cool. So let's start. You guys are still wrong week. about that. <laughs> <laughs> this week, it's another TechCast episode. We're right back at it. This is episode, I think, five of TechCast, right? Yes, sir. Are so we? let's start off, right? We're actually going to start off with a non tech news story, but this is something that's very close to my heart. That's against the name, though. Right? Uh, but I think this will be close to a lot of viewers' hearts. Two, no I breaking mean, the rules. Come on. Well, He's I having mean, the rules. It's in right, the name. Fine. Like, one exception. You can go. Go ahead. Do you, do you guys know who Joe Ruby is? No idea. Joe Ruby, <laughs> is, the, Joe Ruby is the co creator of Scooby Doo. Actually, oh. I'm a huge Scooby Doo fan. Unfortunately, today he passed away. Today, right? He was 87 oh, years man. old, right? But you know, oh, his legacy like a... will always live on in Shaggy, Scooby, and them. So, is he only old... is he only created the Scooby Doo? So he created all the Heart Hanna Barbera cartoons, basically. Yeah. So this is old school. This is he made the original 1969 Scooby Doo that first premiered, right? And then all the sequels and spinoffs were based off that. But he was the one who started the whole franchise. Damn, I love that. But, yeah. Love that so. Part. Wanted to just start off with that story, just acknowledging him and just thanking him for his work and the amazing cartoons I've oh, loved throughout all of my childhood. That's right. Who we do is yeah. timeless, honestly timeless. Really like the is. original one, so good. Even the yeah. theme song still rocks right now. It's going through my head as we're going recording. But How about let's the live get back action movie. Into... Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, come on, that was oh, it was okay. It was alright. It, yeah. it doesn't age very well, but it's pretty all good. Right. But let's get back into some tech news, right? This week, let's start with some finance tech kind of news. Apple and Tesla both, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, have announced stock splits, right? So mm-hmm. Apple has announced a four-for-one split, uh, effective for every shareholder after August 24th, and the split will actually be effective on August 31st. Tesla has done something similar, except they're doing a five-to-one split, and they will be effective, August, based off shareholders, effective August 21st, and the shares will be given out on August 31st. So it's actually been an interesting um, talk throughout the industry, right? Not just in finance, but in the tech sector, because as you guys have seen, some of these tech stocks have just blown up, right? Tesla's at $2,000 or something like that now. Last time I saw the stock was at $200 literally a year ago, right? Apple's sitting at roughly $500. So their share prices will obviously significantly go down and it will open up for a lot of retail investors to actually go in but i want to get your guys thoughts around this and what do you guys think would possibly be another major tech company split some some people are betting on amazon to be the next one to do this so what are you guys thoughts around this you know i don't know i if if tesla and apple have done it i'm sure there will be more to come but i think it's a little kind of hard to point out who might do it um but at the same time, if they if those companies do well on their splits, then you know it's it's kind of inevitable for that to happen and more companies to come out and do it, right? If if the splits happen and then they go up in price, it, you know, of course other companies are going to do it. Who's going to do it? I don't know. Who knows? What do you think, Nine? That's fair. I think it's uh, Amazon. I think Amazon. <laughs> I kind of agree down. with the, I kind of agree with the community on this one. I think Amazon's likely to be the next one. Um, what what is Netflix's right now? I'm not entirely sure. I don't really keep track of the market anymore. Yeah, I think the next, if I last check, was kind of high. It could be Netflix too, but I mean, it's hard to say, like Forrest said, like you can't really predict these splits. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely, right? And, but I thought these were interesting because this is Tesla's, I was going to say, this is Tesla's first foray into 
the stock splitting game. You know, Apple's done this tw- multiple times before. This is, I think, their fourth time splitting the stock, right? Yeah. But like Tesla, you know, this is first right up their alley. This is their first time they're doing everything. So it should be exciting to see how both of these stocks perform post split. You know, mm-hmm. it definitely opens the opportunity up for a lot of smaller investors to actually get in on it and own a piece of these iconic companies, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, let's move on to the next story. This is an interesting one. So Google, I don't know if you guys are aware, but Google has now put in a plan to actually disrupt the college university market. So Google is actually working on certificates. Yeah, so Google is actually working on certificates that will actually certify you for certain types of jobs that you can actually go and get. Some of these jobs include like product management, um, not software development, but product management, uh, data management, as well as other, you know, high tech jobs. And each of these programs are about, I think, like one college semester long, about mm-hmm. a semester, about 13 weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see how this really plays out in the industry. What are your guys' thoughts about that? You know, that one's really interesting to me because, you know, I personally know a lot of people who, like, didn't even go to college, right? They go to, like, uh, what are they called? Like, other trade schools for programming, or they go to um, different boot camps, right, for different types of jobs. And, I mean, software is one of the few fields where, you know, I think you could be very successful in software and not have a degree, right? 100%. Having a degree really, really, I would say, helps you, especially getting into the market because, I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of the job postings that are out there where it's like, you know, a junior level position asking for seven years experience in this technology and, you know, three years experience in, in like leadership or whatever. There's, it's like, create, there's actually role. a creator. There was actually a creator of one of those technologies. I think I, I think it was Swift, if I remember correctly, where the guy who actually made Swift saw the job application for some uh, entry level yeah. employee that requested seven years in Swift. But the funny part is Swift has only been out for five years. Yeah. So it's I, actually very interesting. You know, I, I saw that actually. I don't think it was Swift, but it was it was something else. And, and you're right. It was funny. It was that, that was so funny because it's so true. Really, it just highlights like, I guess, kind of the hiring market for programmers. It's like you're so over expected that you, I mean, you're expected to have so much like education and experience and this and that. And then they want to hire you on as a junior. Like, no, come on. That's pretty ridiculous. But you know, a lot of those roles will go unfilled and eventually those people will fill those roles with pretty much, I would say anyone who they can get their hands on. So, um, you know, if you don't want to go to school and you want to be able to get into the tech space, you know, a Google, a Google, uh, kind of class like that or a certificate system like that might really help people get into the kind of tech space without having to have a traditional degree. Right. And I mean, are you going to go ahead and go from a Google data and data management certificate right into a software engineering role? No, probably not. Right. That's a little out, outlandish, but you know, if you get a data, a data management role and you stay in that role, maybe eventually internally, you'll be able to transition into something else, get more training. Right. So I kind of, it, it gives you just another pathway besides that of the standard university system. Um, and I mean, I think the biggest feature of that is it gives you that path without putting you in crippling debt. So that's a big part. Yeah. Nine, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think when I, when I read the title, I think it was kind of too much of a headliner, kind of like disrupt the college degree. Because my consensus based on what I read uh, when I saw this on Reddit was that it, it even though Google has you know say they're going to view it as a you know same value I guess as a a degree, right? They just like for said like they still, especially in the software engineer, they still expect a certain type of experience, a sort of a sort of 
years of experience, sort of kind of like experience on the field, you know, with internships, stuff like that. So while I think this is a really good avenue for people who don't want to take the user route of college education and classes and stuff like that, I don't think it's going to replace uh, the college mm -hmm. degree route anytime soon. Um, I think it's just a supplement, actually. If I, I see this more as a supplement to uh, to people in those fields that you mentioned, you know, data management and all that. And, you know, it, definitely for people who want to, like, really strengthen their skills or maybe even who even have a college degree, but, like, you know, want to start a relationship with Google, this is a really good way to do it and a really cheap way to do it, too. But I don't think it's going to disrupt the college degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm definitely in agreement with you there because, you know, I've always seen there's a difference between, I would say, a software developer versus a software engineer, right? A developer is someone who goes in, takes the requirements and goes and programs it. But an engineer encapsulates the whole design, the structure, the architecture, as well as more complicated concepts that I don't think you're going to get from this certification program, but that you definitely encounter at least during your undergraduate or graduate school years, yeah. right? So we're talking about like lower level programming, uh, assembly languages, you know, architectural designs, operating systems, computer architecture, right? So there's all these little concepts that are not really exposed in this 13 week course, but play a crucial role in your lifetime as an engineer, I would say. But yes. moving on from that, right? Maybe we'll do a podcast story on that. But moving on for that, nine, you're going to be interested in this one, right? Nintendo... <laughs> has just Ooh. announced their direct mini conference where they're going to be announcing a huge ton uh, of games, a huge ton of, um, you know, possibly a new console coming out. Some rumors what I've seen. So, Nine, what are your thoughts around that one? The community is in uproar because of this, but in a bad <laughs> way, actually. Um, if you guys don't know the landscape of, like, the Nintendo community right now, is that they're thirsty for, like, any drop of content. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to like picture from their point of view right if it wasn't for the pandemic we would have had an e3 by now right yeah so we would have had uh, a plethora of announcements trailers and stuff like that right e sony has done their already their conference already microsoft had done it nintendo has said nothing like literally nothing there's like no announcements or anything we don't even know what's coming up everything right now is based on rumors but the the thing that sucks about this the direct mini that they announced is that it's a mini which means they don't really have much to plan if, if, as someone who's a big nintendo fan and seen a lot of their directs their minis are pretty much just two or three trailers of like third party games of some game you probably would have never heard of if it wasn't on a direct and they never announce any of their big titles during these minis so a lot of people are pretty disappointed about this announcement and they're like starving for content they're like where's my smash announcement Where's the what, what games are coming out this winter? Nintendo answer. Not to mention, there's a bunch of rumors coming out that there's a new Switch model coming out next year. So, you know, everyone's just kind of like insanely upset at Nintendo for this. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't really blame them. But at the same time, you just gotta be patient. I mean, Nintendo's gonna. Uh, one thing I appreciate about Nintendo is that they're not one to rush. You know, they they do it when they're ready and when they feel like it. And you know what? Sometimes I gotta respect that. Mm-hmm. You know. I can respect that as well, right? They take their time. You know, it is, they, they have the luxury of doing that. They have a very loyal fan base. They can pretty much do whatever they want, and people might be up in arms, but at the end of the day, 
nine. If they, if they take their sweet time to listen to game, is that going to stop you from buying it? No, it's not. No. I mean, I guarantee you, I've seen the comments on Twitter. It's insane. Everyone, I remember this one particular comment I love. He said, that's it. I am done with Nintendo. I am moving on to Microsoft. They know how to operate as a gaming company. I guarantee one you. One week later. Like... I guarantee you when that Mario game comes out this year or next year, he's like first in line on Best Buy, buying that, buying that waiting all night to get it. The, All right, the... so sticking with sticking with this whole gaming framework, right? This one's very close to my heart, right? They have announced Call of Duty Cold War this week. Oh man! Right, and I don't know if you guys have seen the reveal trailer, but I haven't. I don't want to spoil anything, but let's just say it, a certain... it's about the Cold War, right? Ah, uh, you spoil it. Let's just say that a certain character from Black Ops is making a return of the campaign that I'm very hyped to play Ooh. as again, right? Interesting. So it's super exciting that i'll just spoil it mason's coming back in the campaign you have woods coming back in the campaign it's going back to the og campaign from black ops which is going to be very interesting to see you know you have president ronald reagan who they mimicked quite well in this video game let me tell you right i mean they, they, have, they have a history of mimicking old presidents pretty well it's yeah, they, did JF, they did jfk in the last one really good too okay well, they, they did uh nixon too actually the same time they did nixon yeah but really this good. is actually an interesting Call of Duty for me because, as you guys, as you both are aware, you know, I haven't bought a, I haven't gotten a Call of Duty game since about Black Ops Two, and that's just because I didn't like the turn that Call of Duty was really taken, taking. It was going more towards this futuristic, weird, like floating type of game, right? It whoa, just, whoa, whoa! It just, Why did you lie? What do you mean? You have Call of Duty Mobile. Come on. Oh, all right. Come on, Mobile. How can you call me Mobile? They, they go bad. That's right. I did have Call of Duty Mobile, and let me tell you, it was fun playing on those old maps again, right? To be fair, but, though, he didn't buy it. He downloaded it. Yeah, it was free. Okay. It was free. Still free. I highly recommend playing it. Right. But, but I definitely am thinking about getting this Call of Duty game day one because I feel like this really is bringing Call of Duty back to its roots of just a hardcore, classic, you know, war game, right? That I don't think we've seen since I would, I would, I want to say maybe Black Ops, Black Ops 2, really. Modern Warfare 3 was there also, but it's this is like hardcore, right? I'm still hoping out on the Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 reboot, but that's just me. So I thought I would throw that little tidbit in. It already came so, out. Modern Warfare 2 reboot? Yeah. Not the campaign. I meant the multiplayer. They're not coming out with the multiplayer. I miss. I really miss <laughs> their toxic community. They already supplement that with the original Modern Warfare reboot that they came out with. That's fair, but I miss my toxic Modern Warfare 2 community. It's still there. Just, it's just a little bit older now. Yeah. Everyone's that voice old is toxicity? <laughs> you want the old toxicity? Just download Fortnite. I guarantee you. It's oh, still, hell all the no. still there. But next topic on TechCast today is Apple. So Apple, oh. you know, we tend to men mention Apple like every TechCast. They're always doing something, right? Oh, of course they are. So they're making Apple, a big... Apple's new operating system that launches, I think, next month, right? iOS 14. Nine can talk more about it because he's on the beta right now. It's actually making it a lot more difficult for companies to put up ads. Yes. So one company that's really affected by this, surprisingly, not as much as Google, right? But Facebook. Facebook is getting hammered by this just because if you guys weren't already aware, Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, they collect a ton of data on you guys, right? Like, they probably have everything you've ever written, known, talked about, everything. They're always listening to, right? But, so Facebook is getting hamper, hampered by iOS 14 because iOS 14, as we talked about in our actually very first podcast episode, if you guys haven't heard it, for WWDC, 
they've implemented a crazy nice amount of security features, right? Each app, it's a huge pain for the developers, as we can tell you, but mm -hmm. for the consumer, they're taking Apple's taking security to a level that hasn't been seen on the consumer level market, I want to say, for quite a while. You know, there's lots of privacy. You have full control over what apps get to talk, uh, what apps get to access your credentials. You know, we saw some of this in iOS 13 with limited access to certain aspects. But even yesterday, even the other day when I reset my phone, I was going on Instagram. Instagram wanted access to my Bluetooth. Why is Instagram requesting access to Bluetooth? I can't really tell you. But it's very interesting on how Apple's now really taking a stand and working for the consumers for their betterment of security. What are your guys' thoughts on this? You know, or you want to go first? Yeah, I'm I'm always for more security features on the phones. I mean, if you guys heard any of our previous podcasts, like, you know, Right to Privacy, for example, or um, one of our tech casts, I think episode two or three or something, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I, I was pretty much wishing that Apple would do something like this, right? Kind of add more operating system on your phone level security features. So that way apps don't have the same capabilities of collecting data on you, right? Maybe there's less support for applications being able to do things like, um, I don't know, accessing the clipboard data or viewing the data from other applications on your phone, right? Or kind of like just getting data from your phone that they have no kind of reason to do or you didn't give them access to, to, to get that data, right? Like, I mean, they, they really needed better security features and uh, this sounds pretty good, but we'll see if it's going to be kind of up snuff with what I was hoping they'd have, so... I'm always welcome to more security and privacy features. I mean, in my point of view, I think it, I, I'm once again, just like for, I mean, I'm praising Apple for what they've been doing lately in the, in the privacy realm, right? They're, they're making strides or no big other company. I think of their size are really making the same moves or the same uh, protection towards their consumer and their users. And it really shows that they, at least in that aspect, really care, right? And if it, even if it doesn't make, dramatic changes to the business landscape, especially even to Facebook itself. It already has disturbed and disrupted the, the, the whole advertising market and the whole business landscape already with it's just in the beta phase of its new iOS update. You had the whole clipboard controversy thing that happened, uh, the whole Instagram bug that was detected through it. Uh, you're talking about uh, legal cases now that are costing Facebook millions or not billions of dollars now. So. It already has disrupted, I, uh, I think, the advertising space and the privacy space of multiple consumers and millions of people across the world. So I say so far, they've been doing good. I would like to see where they keep going with this, you know, really hammering home um, privacy for all and in the good faith of everyone. And uh, we'll see how it goes from here. Sounds good. Sounds good. Now let's get into some weirder stories that happened this week, right? Leave it to Florida to give us this one. But... Florida, Florida's planning on releasing 750 million bioengineered mosquitoes what? to actually kill off the mosquito population down in Florida. What? Exactly, right? They're releasing more mosquitoes to decrease the mosquitoes? Essentially. So they're sending in 750 million bioengineered mosquitoes that will slowly but surely, according to their researchers, eradicate the mosquito population in florida i don't know if i like that or not <laughs> i feel like that can go wrong super quickly though can it not you're talking about you know 
genetically engineered mosquitoes. When has I heard genetically engineered stuff ever gone wrong? Okay, hold up a second though. How do, do we have any idea how many actual mosquitoes are estimated to be in Florida? Like what percent? Like if they're releasing seven hundred fifty million, like that sounds like a lot, right? But maybe there's like a couple billion regular mosquitoes in Florida, right? So like, who knows? Like. <laughs> How many are there? Is this, is this like comparatively a lot or is this a little or like, I don't know. Well, apparently you're reading this article, right? It's saying that this is specifically targeting one mosquito species and it's an invasive species that transmits diseases uh, like Zika, uh, which are pretty deadly to us. Okay. So right. it, it, it's more not really about decreasing the overall mosquito population, but specifically one invasive species of a mosquito uh, genome. Uh, that's really disrupting the whole ecosystem of Florida. So, oh, well, you're I'm, right, man. It could be like billions. You know? I don't know, but I'm personally getting prepared for some more weirder stories coming out from Florida. So well, I think we'll be, we'll be in be for fine. some more interesting times. I'll be fine. I already said to myself that I wouldn't step foot in Florida again. So, you know. Again. <laughs> I made that mistake once. I was a child. I didn't know any better. That's actually, you, you did. You and, you and uh, Four actually did go back for that hackathon. Do I got to bring that up? It was a short time. It was a short trip. Okay, <laughs> we're in and out. We're literally. All right, and now let's go back to one of my most interesting people that I like talking about, Elon Musk. So Elon Musk has said that we're about four to five years away from actually having battery-operated, get this, airplanes. So a fully a fully operated. So think of Tesla, but for airplanes. Think of Tesla, but in the air. Exactly. So Tesla and I think That's called SpaceX. Tesla <laughs> Tesla and Elon Musk are sort of getting together and really just hammering out a new type of battery that can last as long as a transatlantic flight. Think about that. Oh wow. Pretty soon so, well it's pretty so soon, are, you know. Are they talking about like actual like Airbus size aircrafts? Because you know, for me it sounds like uh, now at least like just like one or two three passengers aircraft space on what they're talking about. Obviously, they're going to start off small, you know, but obviously I think the goal is to go to those Airbus A320s or the Boeing 747s, right? And mm -hmm. what's interesting about this, I would say, is that, you know, studying a little bit of aeronautics, I'm not an expert by any means, but almost 70% of the weight that comes from an airplane is mm -hmm. literally just the fuel. Yeah. So if you guys think about that for a second, you can cut say maybe 50% of the weight of every single aircraft that travels by swapping out that whole fuel fuselage for just a battery. Well, okay. Well, 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 how, how, about how heavy is the battery? How, how, how heavy is the batteries, though? Aren't they pretty heavy? That's I mean, very true as well. To, not compared to gasoline, though. The battery wouldn't be anywhere near as heavy as a freaking fuel tank with you know, well, what I'm saying is the way, the way they've been doing, at least for Tesla's, right? They do like kind of a multi-layer stack, yeah. right? So they're pretty dense batteries. It's not like you like they put like one array of battery lines, and that's it. Like they put like kind of they kind of do a multi-layer battery mm. to like fuel to like basically supply yeah, the yeah. energy and the power needed for at least for Tesla's cars, right? You know. So and I don't well, know. if you want to talk about the weight, though, you really have to be careful, right? Because like think about it, okay? If I'm pretty sure. Um, weight actually affects the flight of a plane right so not Plus, only not 100%. only does a heavier plane require more gas but um that weight also leads to more momentum right momentum is kind of like your ability to stay in motion right that's um, if i recall correctly from my physics classes momentum is 
okay, how much energy do you have going in that direction versus how much energy would it take you to like stop right now or to move backwards right at any point in time? Um, if you have more weight and you get up to a certain speed, it costs more energy to kind of break you out of that pattern, right? So turbulence, for example, if you have a heavier plane, once you get up to speed, you'd be less affected by turbulence. Um, turning, you have a harder time turning if you're at the same speed and you have more weight. And, you know, similarly, if you have less weight, you might be more affected by turbulence. Uh, I think that's probably why smaller planes um, have harder times in bad weather. Um, also why smaller planes are more agile and can move around quicker and turn faster than your larger planes can, right? So, so. it's going to be interesting to see kind of with, with batteries, let's, let's say that they do provide a significant weight decrease, you know, what kind of planes are going to have to be engineered to keep up modern flight standards without, um, you know, without causing any major problems, you know, what are they going to look like? The plane might change exactly. completely. And then if you have plane problems, this is one thing I was thinking about, you know, sir, sometimes when you have like problems with the plane, they just dump the fuel into the ocean so that they can land in a much safer fashion, right? Yeah. You can't really dump a two-ton battery into the ocean, right? I mean, you can. Yeah, but I mean, the battery's <laughs> not nearly as dangerous as the fuel is, right? Like, even if your battery melts down or something like that, like, you're talking about hundreds of gallons of gasoline, which can explode and go everywhere and spreads fire. Even if the well, battery melts do in the down... Ocean. I think it's a lot more. Uh, it's a lot more contained. It could also be uh, yeah. more cost efficient, depending on how much power it takes. You know, yeah. in terms of like producing the gasoline compared to just to having the electricity straight up to the power source. You know. Yeah, um, that's fair. But he says right. five years. Five years, four to five years. So we still have some time. We still have some time, but it's gonna be interesting to see. And I mean, he said the same thing for the Tesla, right? Of getting the Tesla Model Three out. He said it will be out next year. Then it took three, three to five years, right? But yeah. Hey. Depends what he means by five years. He means five years to have like a, a like a commercially viable aircraft oh, completely powered by a battery. No, 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 definitely not, man. Or does he mean like five years, like for an Airbus? Like what? What is five years? That's, what is I his think, goal? I think you're targeting much smaller planes to start off. I don't think we're gonna see Airbus or Boeing in at least the next thirty years, right? Head towards a battery type of mm, launch, I don't know about right? That. If if it can save them money then definitely they're interested. We'll see. We'll see. My, mon my money would be on Boeing doing it before Airbus because we know how the European market can be when it comes to a lot of different regulations. So it's going to be interesting to see how this really all plays out. Mm -hmm. All right. Now let's wrap up with our, like we do every, po every tech cast, with some, two, with some big stories. So today I have two big stories for you all. Or this one's probably going to hit way closer to home for you. Right, the CEO of TikTok, Kevin Mayer, has announced his resignation only three to four months on the job. He's the, he's the chief operating officer of ByteDance, which is TikTok's parent company, and he actually left Disney as head of their, I think, parks, something like that, to actually take on the CEO position of TikTok. Right? Can you, can you so, blame him? Like, he probably cashed out, right? You, you've become COO of ByteDance, <laughs> CEO of TikTok. He probably got some huge stock deal, some huge sign-on bonus. He was probably like, all right, you guys stay at least four months, and then bam, he's gone. Goodbye. 
Like, he cashed out. That's what he did. Let's be real. I don't blame, I don't blame the guy, but it's definitely not giving the right message to the users of TikTok that when your captain jumps ship before, you know, yeah. their inevitable death. Well, I don't think I don't think most TikTok users even care. Most TikTok users don't even look up news like that. Well, I would say the creators at least care. That, yeah. not, not, that, not the average users, because the creators are pretty much, like, this is, a lot of them are, this is a livelihood, you know? Yeah, this is true. like a... I mean, unless the guys already saw the writing on the wall and already migrated over to Instagram, the few that didn't, they're 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 starting to panicking right now. I can I can feel it. Interesting. It's an interesting point that you guys bring up with this because you know TikTok may be going down the drain. But what I found interesting is that Kevin Mayer himself, he's an American, yeah. right? Yeah. And and so that's a very interesting point to bring up. And I don't say this from a nationalistic view or or what's going on politically or anything. But it's interesting that, you know, he left in light of the U.S. putting regulations on top of TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. That's so a good it's point. Ve- it's, ve- it's a very interesting perspective here that, like, I guess maybe he may have had some conflicts of reaction, like, oh, how am I going to work for this company that now the U.S. government's literally targeting me? It's hard to say. I wouldn't say it's exactly that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't connect the two immediately, right? There's a lot of factors that come into this, right? You got to mm-hmm. remember that TikTok had a lot of controversy over the last few months, not even yeah. including the whole regulations thing. Yeah. Like part of it just could be like this, just the, the, the mere presence of having so much eyes on you in the last few months was enough for him to decide, you know, maybe I should just cut my losses and just move on, you know? Because It's, it's going to be very much. interesting. It's going to be very interesting. You know, he's a high-level executive. You know, he's been around other high-level executives. He's been a high-level executive for almost 10, 15 years now, from Disney to ByteDance and TikTok, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, his domain expertise and his knowledge really go. Um, and it's it's a big loss for TikTok, right? It's a very major loss for TikTok, I would say. But I think they'll bounce back, and we'll just see how – you know, everything comes to play now because now I think the time's cutting close on their 45-day timeline that President Trump had announced for TikTok. So I, I would really like, if I can remind myself in 10 years, if someone makes a document, document uh, documentary with him and interview him like 10 years after everything all blows over, just like, just picture us what's going on that TikTok at HQ in those three or four months. Mm-hmm. I, just see the Elmo, I just see the Elmo meme with fire behind it. That's all I yeah, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely pure chaos in those offices in the last few or four months. And I just want to, I want his point of view from it. That would be great. I know that wouldn't happen for like at least 10 or 15 years, but I would love if someone can get on that, like and, to remind me 15 years and I'll do that. And finally, let's end off TechCast, right? By continuing the story plot line between Epic and Apple, right? Ooh. Epic has just gotten a small win over Apple as a federal court judge has announced that Apple cannot revoke Epic Games' Unreal Engine developer tools used to build uh, the Fortnite app for iOS and Android platforms. Oh, man. This is, an, it, this is an interesting, interesting lawsuit, and I say this as from a developer's perspective. I'm very happy Epic had won because Apple can't really control, right, what tools that a developer can use. And yeah. that's, an, that's an interesting point, right? Because it's like, why does Apple have the right to give any developer, regardless if you're a major company like Epic or just a small-time developer like us, the forces us to use specific tools to build and regulate for other services, right? 100%. Mm-hmm. So I found this very interesting, and I found this as a win for the small guy, right? Oh, for a nice analogy because 
it really I gives. Say, I want to say it's a win, though. I think they just really they got lucky, partly. Like really? I'm really happy. Yeah, because I honestly like. I'm not saying Apple was in the right. Like I 100 percent agree with you what you said. Right, mm-hmm. Apple definitely. Apple, I think before they made that decision, um, was in the completing the right with what they've been doing so far. I think that decision though alone was a little like a little unfair, a little like too much power hungry. Like oh, I'm cutting all the opening access and no one can use your tech. Right, that was a bit too much. But like with most uh, you know court uh, federal courts and law cases, like it could have gone Apple's way pretty easily. Right, like I, I think definitely set a horrible, horrible precedent. It would have, but like I think, I, I think that's why we should, you know, applaud that the, the judge was able to like see the right on the wall, you know, really analyze, analyze the, the the consequences of what this is pertaining, and like made the right distinction that like your Apple has a right to punish Epic for what their actions, but not necessarily punish all developers who use their tech, mm-hmm. you know. That's a really good distinction, and I would say many judges wouldn't be able to see that distinction very easily. You know, it's for a lot of them, it's like a clear-cut case. Like Apple is a company versus Epic is a company. You know, it's a one-on-one battle, and you know, Epic had wasn't the right, so they might just completely punish Epic. But I'm glad they she took the time, and it was pretty quick too. Like it was like like not even like five days, and she really like made a quick decision because she knew like time was on the. Time was of the essence in this case, right? Like the most time you spend on this, the more unpredictable un- unpredictable it will be for these developers to even know if their apps are even going to stay in the store, creating creating revenue for their companies. Yeah, it's really funny. Like if we did this tech ass episode maybe three days earlier, right? I would have to- I would have told you, hey, Epic's in this lawsuit with Apple, and yep. now the whole lawsuit actually got decided. So this has been a very, you know, quick case as well. For what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, we'll see, right? So this, I don't, I don't know if this is necessarily going to be the end of that, right? Because obviously, Apple, they're appealing that as far up as they can get, right? They got the money to do it. They got the lawyers to do it. Nah, you're right. You know, the case is big enough, and I mean, this is, a, I mean, it's a really, really, really big case. I mean, this might go all the way up the chain because, I mean, realistically, this is this this is just going to say, hey, do virtual markets have the ability to kind of get rid of competition on their markets? Like, that's really what you're saying, right? Like, does Apple truly have the right to determine what goes on their own app store, right? Like this is this is what you're talking about at a baseline here. So, I mean, this is I, I really think this will go all the way up the chain. Um, I don't necessarily know if this is a win or not because I mean, as soon as they appeal it, I mean, this outcome doesn't really even matter anymore. Yeah, so. like I said earlier, I don't think this is a win for Epic. I think they just got pretty lucky with how this all came out because, like I said, it really could have gone Apple's way pretty easily. You know, Although, they could have just canceled them out right up right, right and like had everyone. I do, I do think Epic would have also appealed it, right? But maybe it's a small win for them, just because. I mean, in the meantime, in the meantime, the interim between this uh, this decision and the next one, uh, they get to keep selling Unreal Engine licenses. So true. But yeah, I remember now also like the reputation is kind of hurt now as a as a tech company. Well, like, I mean, we'll see. I don't know if it's hurt or not. I mean, this is giving them really good publicity. Um, and I mean, a lot of people are behind them. I think. I think. I, I think you probably would be surprised it's, it's, how many consumers like are behind what they're doing. I've seen the community feedback on this, right? And from what I see, is your if you're a fan of like, I guess Fortnite, which is a large population actually, you're totally behind Epic. 
right? Yep. Um, but a lot of developers are actually behind, and also developers are kind of behind Epic too because of the whole kind of principle they're kind of standing for, right? Yeah. But I mean, a lot of the people are also are pretty behind Apple, and they believe like kind of like you know, it's they they created the market. I mean, the market wouldn't be even they wouldn't even be a market if they didn't create it in the first place. So, mm-hmm. and it has to be a cut. So like it's kind of fifty fifty. I wouldn't say it's a, there's a there's a one side that has the the dominant support. I think thing. to Four's point, when you put Epic, right, in the same news story as the world's most valuable company, you're creating extreme publicity for yourself. True, right? but what I'm saying, right, picture this if I'm a video game developer, right? You spend years making a video game, right? This is probably your, your breakout product, right? You're a small indie company, mm-hmm. and you do the Unreal Engine because it's one of the most, you know, uh, versatile and widely accessible uh, engines out there other than Unity, right? Spend years making the game, years as setting, uh, spending money on developers and stuff like that, and you point it out. You make some decent revenue, and you're getting making a name of yourself. Epic pulls the stunt, and now your entire like livelihood is jeopardized because of a company outside, outside of your own decision, almost jeopardize it completely. Mm-hmm. Yes, it worked out in the end for them, right? But that's kind of scary now if you think about it. That, that that thought is in their head now. Like if if it didn't work out with them, I would have been totally screwed. My 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 product would have been pulled, years of work gone, and it was it was outside of my control. I think you, you tend to underestimate how people get can get really mad when something like something like out of their control, like badly hurts them. Yeah, and it creates this oh, really negative business uh, relationship with them. Yeah, no, this is. Very valid points. Unfortunately, nine, we're out of time for today for this episode of TechCast, but maybe we'll actually take, you know, this idea and maybe turn it into a separate episode itself, Epic versus Apple. Mm-hmm. Let us know down below in the comments or hit us up on Instagram if you guys want us to actually do that. We'd be more than happy to talk about Epic versus Apple. We can go hours on this topic. Mm-hmm. But that has been this week of TechCast. Right, I want to thank you guys all for tuning in. Yep. Um, we know you guys are loving TechCast. We love giving you guys this news. It's been really great for us as well. If you guys have any ideas, suggestions, news stories you guys want to hear next week in TechCast, definitely let us know. But with that, I'm two. I'm nine. I'm four. And, and this TechCast. has been TechCast. Yep. Thank you guys so Later. much. Bye, guys.